Praise the Lord today, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries. We're so happy. We're always delighted to be host and attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered into the saints according to the book of Jude, the third uh, verse. And so important as we get into this Truth Matters podcast today that we pause and pray. Now, Father, we thank you for all of your love and kindness. We thank you for your tender mercies. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for your power. Thank you for your endowment. Thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary. You died on our behalf. The guiltless for the guilty, the righteous for the unrighteous. You paid our sin debt. You paid our penalty. You took our place, God, and we thank you for being our substitute today. We glorify you now, God, because it's not by our righteousness, but it's by your righteousness. It's by your goodness that even we stand today. We pray, Lord God, that everyone who tunes into this podcast today, that they will be touched and they will come to know you in a salvific, in a more personal, loving way. Let your word fall upon good ground today. Let someone's heart be changed. Let their mind be regulated. Let them become tender and sensitive to your word. Let their light begin to shine before men that they can see their good works and glorify you in heaven. Let someone be saved. Let someone come to know you as the Lord and Savior of their life. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. And so true are the words that were spoken by Benjamin Franklin. He said, half of a truth is no different than a big, great lie. And today in this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to be sharing on a very important topic entitled, The Truth About Jesus. The Truth About Jesus. There's so many ideas and there are so many concepts. There are so many ideologies concerning who Jesus Christ is. So many religious constructs have devised their theological perspectives of who Jesus is. There's so many opinions. There's so many myths. There are so many fantasies about Jesus Christ. But today in this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to examine the truth about who Jesus is. I think it's important today to let you understand some of the viewpoints within what we call this religious world structure. To the Christian scientists, they believe that Jesus is a way shower. They consider him to be someone who epitomized a true principle of the Christ consciousness, which indwells, they say, in all of us. Therefore, to them, Jesus did not really die on a cross. And they also say he was not God in the flesh. And he didn't actually make any atonement in shedding his blood. We find it interesting at Truth Matters that Jesus is recognized in Scientology as part of its religious heritage. And they see Jesus as one of many good teachers, which totally contradicts the Christian concept of Jesus' atonement of man's sins through his death on the cross. Listen to this. To Jews, Jesus of Nazareth was one of many Jews throughout history who either attempted 
to di directly lay claim to being the Messiah or whose, I guess they call them, misplaced followers made the claim in their name that he was the Messiah. Now, history, they say that Jesus lived around 130 to 140 CE and was conflated with the Neoplatonic beliefs into what became the New Testament. Did you hear that? To Jews, they just considered Jesus as a teacher in the tradition of so many other Jewish teachers. But really, he definitely was not God and he definitely was not God's son. The Mormons believe that Jesus is not unique from the rest of mankind. They say he's just simply the firstborn spirit child. Listen, in their document, The Doctrine and Covenants, it states the difference between Jesus and other offspring of Elohim is one of degree, not kind. He's not different from anybody else is what they're saying. That is why Mormons refer to Jesus as the elder spirit brother of Satan. Mormon leader James Talmadge wrote, human beings generally were similarly existent in spirit state prior to their embodiment in the flesh. You probably didn't know this, but Mormons see Jesus as someone who just worked his way up to Godhood. In fact, the reality is to Mormons, Jesus is merely one in purpose with God the Father versus an essence or quality. When you look at Islam, they believe that Jesus is one of the five greatest messengers of God, who in their estimation are collectively known as Al-Azim, or the possessors of steadfastness. Jesus is also a real person who did live in the Roman Judea in the first century in the common era, so they do believe he's a historical figure, but the reality is they do not believe that he is God. The Hindus believe that Jesus was just a holy man. He was just a wise teacher and is a little G-O-D within their sometimes pantheistic and polytheistic worldview. For the Buddhist, they believe that Jesus was just an enlightened man. He was like a wise teacher. That's all. Those who embrace the Baha'i faith, they describe Jesus as a manifestation of God and they do acknowledge Jesus was sent by God. The Baha'i faith does, however, place Jesus alongside other messengers from other major religions and movements. They put him shoulder to shoulder with people like Abraham or Muhammad, Buddha or Krishna or Zoroaster. Within the New Age movement, those believers are willing to consider the teachings of Jesus, however, and that the Christhood of Jesus is often described as something all of us could attain. Sounds a little bit like Mormonism, doesn't it? In this sense, Jesus is seen as a man who completed a process of spiritual evolution going through successive generations of reincarnation and becoming through the successive generations of reincarnation an enlightened master. Now, according to Jehovah's Witnesses, they say Jesus is just a mighty one. Although not almighty as Jehovah God is, 
According to John 1 in their Bible, the New World Translation, Christ is a God, but he's not the God. They teach that Jesus was and is and always will be beneath Jehovah and that Christ and God are not co-equal. See, the Watchtower teaches that Jehovah the Father only created one thing directly. What was that? The Logos or Jesus. And after that, it was Jesus, according to the Watchtower, who created all other things, according to Colossians 1 and 16. Finally, the Watchtower or the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Michael the Archangel is no other than the only begotten Son of God, who is now Jesus Christ. Now, with so many differing views of who Jesus is, we at Truth Matters see an imperative to examine the truth concerning who Jesus is. I think it's so crucial and why it's so vital to understand the truth of who he is as it relates to our eternal destiny and victory in this spiritual war in which each and every one of us are engaged. Listen to me today. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 11, this is what it declares. It says, for if one comes and preaches another Jesus, another Jesus? You mean there's more than one Jesus? Yes, I just read about 15 different concepts of Jesus. So really what he's saying is if someone comes and preaches another concept of Jesus or introduces another presentation of Jesus whom we have not preached or you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. See, the body of Christ must become intentional and mastering the disciplined tenets of Christology. Say that again, Pastor Adams. The body of Christ must become intentional and mastering the disciplined tenets of Christology. What is that? It's the doctrine of Christ. During this podcast, we will reveal the truth of who Jesus is and what we must believe to be affirmed even as a Christian, along with what we must do concerning the person of Jesus Christ. We see that in the Bible, the Old Testament wilderness tabernacle consisted of many items and many sacraments. Let's just go through a few of them. The first one is called the brazen altar. The second one is called the altar of incense. The third is the Ark of the Covenant. The fourth is the brazen laver. The fifth is the table of showbread. And the the sixth is the candle stand. The seventh is the mercy seat. And eight is the Shekinah, which all were essential symbols of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, redemptive attributes. Make sure you remember that. Today we will answer the questions concerning Jesus Christ's origin. We're going to discuss his essence, his nature, and relationship and purposes that he has for mankind. And in this podcast today, we will start and finish this task with Holy Scripture, which is the complete and only repository of all divine truth. I'm going to say that one more time. This Holy Scriptures is the complete and the only repository of all divine truth. No, you can't find it in the Vedas. No, you can't find it in Doctrine and Covenants. It's not in studies of the Scriptures. No, you cannot find it in the Quran. You cannot find it in any other writing but Genesis to Revelation. And as you study God's word with me today, we challenge each listener to sit as a judge 
And afterwards, after you've made your judgment and you've heard all the evidence, deliver your sincere verdict of who the Bible says Jesus is. Let's look at John 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now allow me to provide some insight concerning this text. In this text, the subject of the sentence is the Word, Logos. The verb is was. There can be no direct object following was, since according to grammatical usage, intransitive verbs take no objects, but instead they predicate nominatives which refer back to the subject, in this case, the word or the logos. See, Greek scholar E.C. Colwell formulated a rule that clearly states that a definitive predicate nominative, in this case, theos or God, never takes an article. What's an article? The word a is an article. So it never gets the word article, the word a, when it's preceded by the verb was as we find in John 1 and 1. So, those who are members of the New uh, of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society and who, who participate and have confidence in the New World Translation, if they had any Greek scholars, it would be easy to see that no article is needed for Theos or God. And to translate it a God, as they have in their Bible, is both incorrect grammar and poor Greek, since Theos is the predicate nominative of was in the third sentence clause of the verse. It must refer back to the subject word Logos, Christ. If he is the word made flesh, as as it states in John 1 and 14, he can be no one else except God, unless the Greek text, and consequently, God's word be denied. Let's keep it moving. In John 8, 58, it reads, Jesus said unto them before Abraham was, I am, I am, I am. When comparing this with the Septuagint translations of Exodus 3, 14, where he says, tell, tell Pharaoh that I that I has told you to let my people go. We find the translation is identical as the one here in John in 58. Any intelligent scholar recognizes that I am or Aya is synonymous with God. Jesus literally said to the Jews in this verse, I am Jehovah God. And the Jews understood the meaning of Christ's claim. Why do I say that? Well, it's simple. They took up stones to kill him for blasphemy. See, in Jewish law, It gives five reasons for legal stoning. And I want you in my listening audience to remember one thing. Jews were very strict legalists. The first reason that they could stone you is for uh, participating with familiar spirits. Number two was for blasphemy. Number three was for being a false prophet. Four, for stubborn rebellion. Five, for adultery or rape. See, the one that they perceived that Christ violated was number two, blasphemy. We understand that Jesus didn't really violate any law. But the Jews, just as so many people today, they do not believe that Jesus was the Logos or God in the flesh. So they falsely wanted to stone him for blasphemy. We read the Bible in Colossians 1, 15 and 17. It says that Jesus is the firstborn. But to properly understand the meaning of the usage of the word firstborn, we must examine the instances in the Bible where Ephraim is called the firstborn in Jeremiah 31 and 9. I want y'all to write these down. 
But Manasseh is called the firstborn in Joshua 17 and 1. Is this a contradiction? No, of course not. See, firstborn is defined as preeminent. It doesn't mean the first one that actually came out of the womb. And once you understand that it means preeminent, when the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn, it means he's the preeminent one. The scripture also trumpets Jesus existing before all things and created all things. Uh, they're members of the watchtower. They inserted the word other in that particular verse to inject, to inject their own theology into the text. This is like God saying, all people, whether white, yellow, or black, are intelligent. Then someone adds a word, rendering it this way. All people, whether white, yellow, except blacks, are intelligent. Just by putting the word except in there, it changes everything about the statement. See, the verse confirms that Jesus asked God, for if he existed before all things, he must be creator. For there are only two categories of beings, creator is one, and the things he created. If Jesus was before all things, he could not be one of the created things. And this proves categorically that Jesus is the creator. Hebrews 1 uh, uh, the first chapter, the third through the sixth verse, tells us something so crucial. It says, He, Christ, is a reflection of His glory and the exact representation of His very being. This passage establishes beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is of the same substance and essence as the Father. No creation is ever declared to be of God's very essence. The Greek word, hypostasios. Therefore, the eternal word, who is Christ, is the fullness of the Godhead or deity bodily, according to Colossians 2 and 9. See, the writer of Hebrews, he intended to portray Jesus as Jehovah, or he never would have used such explicit language as the image imprinted by his substance. Revelation 1, 7 and 8 says, he is coming in clouds. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. He who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Watchtower, they lied in the publication, Should You Believe in the Trinity, in 1989. They state that on page 13, Jesus is never called the Almighty, but they lied. We just read it. When you read Matthew 24 and 30, it is evident that the one coming in clouds in Revelation 1, verse 7 and 8, is Jesus the Almighty. Make sure you look at that for yourself. It must also be noted that in Isaiah 44 and 6, it says that only Jehovah, or the creator of the world, is the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus claimed that title in Revelation 1 and 7 as well. When we look at Revelation 1, 17 and 18, it proclaims that the first and the last is eternal. The first and the last also died, but resurrected and possesses the keys of death and Hades. Now at this juncture, those who deny that Jesus Christ is God or deity are in a doctrinal corner. What do you mean by that, Pastor Adams? See, this is where the proverbial rope runs out and the doctrinal neck breaks. If one insists that the verse is speaking of the Father, Jehovah in the popular vernacular, then one must also claim that the Father died. When did the Father die? So if you, if you can't go there, or if you won't go there, then the next thing is, 
if anyone properly assert that the text is speaking of Jesus, then they have to acknowledge that Jesus is the first and the last. We must remember Isaiah 44 and 6, Jehovah God is the first and last. And Isaiah 7 and 14 says, A virgin shall bear and conceive a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Matthew 1, and 23 says, When Jesus was born, it occurred to fulfill the prophecy, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. It does not say a God with us, a prophet is with us, or a good teacher or messenger is with us, but God is with us. Isaiah 9 and 6 informs us of his attributes and identification of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ told us in John 8 and 24, that if we don't believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. The Muslim, the Christian scientist, the New Ager, the Hindi, the Buddhist, the Jehovah Witness, the Mormon must set aside all of the egregious and capricious teachings that demote Jesus Christ of his Godhood. And then bow before Jesus Christ, the first and the last, the King immortal, the beginning and the end, the judge of righteousness of all mankind. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that accepted worship. He forgave men's sins. He performed every type of miracle. He calmed the raging seas. He opened blinded eyes as our living king of kings. He is our brazen altar who sacrificed himself for the sins of the world. His word as a mirror shows us our lost spiritual state today. Jesus is the brazen laver that washes us and cleanses us by his word and blood. Jesus is our table of showbread, who is the eternal bread of life. Jesus is our candle stand, the light of the world. Jesus is our altar of incense. We can go and pray in his name. And when we pray in his name, heaven and earth will begin to move. At the name of Jesus, devils tremble, the Bible says. The sun will stand still and not give its life. Jesus is the ark of the covenant. He provides access to the holy of holies, assuring our eternal abode with him in the third heaven. Jesus is our mercy seat. He is the propitiation through his blood and the glory of God's magnificent presence in each and every one of our lives. Today in this Truth Matters podcast, if you need God to be a presence or a companion and a friend and an advocate in your life, just call his name. See, the evidence from scripture is overwhelming. We've read the text. We've examined the text. What is your verdict? Do you resist the words of God? Do you hear the words, but never become a believer of the words? If you do, you do it to your peril and to your destruction. But if you accept and believe them, Jesus is here right now to meet you where you are. 
Jesus said, just call my name. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be sozo, shall be saved. He said, if you call him, he will no wise cast you out. If you call his name, he will say, here I am. He will open up his arms and receive you unto himself. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man will open the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with him and he with me. He wants to be your friend. He don't want you to die. He doesn't want you to be lost. He wants to help you put them drugs down. He wants to help you in your relationship. He doesn't want you to lose your marriage. He wants to be the man in the middle. He wants to be an umpire in your life. He wants you to open the door and let him in. Stop denying him. He wants to make sure your children don't end up dead. Casualties of the penal system. Caught and snared in gangs. He wants to make sure that you're ready to meet him as Lord, as Savior. He said he'll make you his precious bride. You'll be his best friend, but yet he'll provide for you as a child. He'll wash you with his blood. He'll fill you with his spirit. He'll fill you with his word and wisdom, and he'll supply your every need. Yes, he'll write your name in his book of life. And as a result, you will live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever with the only wise God Jesus Christ I want you to pray with me Father I thank you for everyone who tuned into this podcast today and Lord you came into the world that the world might be saved you said you came to seek and to save that which is lost And we're living in a perilous time. We're living in a very dark time. We're living in a very untoward generation. And if there ever was a time to come to know Jesus Christ, it's now. And if you're not saved, I want you just to repeat after me if you believe it. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died in my place. I recognize that I've been a sinner. I recognize that I've broken your law. I acknowledge that I've transgressed against a holy God. I'm not worthy, God, of your love. I'm not worthy of your sacrifice. But Lord, I acknowledge and thank you for dying in my place. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. Ah, Cleanse me again. Cleanse my mind. Redirect my path. I want to love again. I want to have peace. 
I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of my lifestyle. I want to have joy. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. I'm your child. In Jesus' name. This prayer that we just prayed is not a magical mantra. But it's something that you have to believe in your heart. And you find a church, a well-balanced church, and you begin to fellowship with believers. Get you a good Bible. Get involved in Bible study. Get involved in worship. And then you find out what God has purpose for your future. That's who Jesus is. He wants to be your future. He wants to be your Lord. That's the truth of Jesus. God bless you. Amen.